and welcome to MacCast, a podcast from the Department of Media and Communication at St. John Fisher College. My name is Lizzie Beach. I'm a senior media management major, and I'll be your host today with our special guest, Rachel Barnhart. Rachel is here to discuss the First Amendment in media and politics ahead of a panel discussion as part of Meet the Media Week here at Fisher. But first, let's find out what's been happening in the Department of Media and Communication. A special thank you to the students who helped out with the Fisher Media Festival and welcomed our high school guests. Thanks to Josh Boyley, Lizzie Beach, Lizzie Garrett, Josh Ramos, and Johairo De La Cruz. A reminder to all students that the deadline to apply for the James E. Seward as Scholarship in Media and Communications is Tuesday, November 19th at 1 p.m. Students must submit a cover letter, resume, writing sample, and one to two portfolio pieces. The winning application will receive $1,000 applied to their spring tuition bill. Thanks to the Prima Group for hosting their annual Meet the Media series last week. Students were able to participate in an interactive panel about the relationship between public relations, journalism, and social media. Special thanks also for the media, First Amendment, and the media literacy panels as an additional bonus. If you're interested in doing an internship for credit in the spring, it's never too late to apply. Eligible students can apply to COM 490 to their schedules before they found an internship. Remember, we have more requests for interns than we have students to fill the positions. So see Dr. Vicker in Fay 203 to take advantage of one of the many opportunities. And that's what's been happening in the Department of Meeting Communications. Welcome back to MacCast. I'm Lizzie Beach. Our special guest today is Rachel Barnhart. Rachel was a well-known television journalist in the Rochester area before turning to politics. She is now a member of the Monroe County Legislature and won her election just last night to represent the 21st District with over 75% of the vote. Rachel is also working for Democratic presidential primary candidate Andrew Yang. We're recording this podcast during Prima's Meet the Media Week, and Rachel is on campus for a special panel tonight for First Amendment rights in the media and politics. Rachel Barnhart, congratulations on your victory, and welcome to MadCast. Thank you very much. So, first, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into journalism? Yes, I grew up in the city of Rochester and went to John Marshall High School, and I went to a school that was very high poverty with high needs. And I realized that I really wanted to report on things that were going on in my community and to try to be part of solving the problem by exposing the problem. I went to Cornell University. When I graduated, I worked in Elmira, New York, uh, which, uh, you know, they say earn your stripes. I earned my stripes in Elmira. And then I came back home and I spent 18 years as a broadcast journalist. Wonderful. So what led you to make the switch from journalism into politics? I always loved covering politics, government, municipal projects, changes in our community, patterns. And I got a little tired of of covering the same people, saying the same things, and not really doing anything to fix anything, and decided that I wanted to see what it was like to run for office and to try to serve in a different way. And it was a very eye-opening experience to run for office. Uh, Politics is brutal. Uh, It's not fair. Money is a huge issue and problem in politics, in my opinion. And I learned a lot about what it really takes and what it's really like. And uh, I was not successful the first few times. I finally won one. Awesome. So you're the deputy press secretary for the Andrew Yang campaign. Will you tell us a little bit about how you got connected with him? Yes, I have been doing public relations work for a while now. I worked as the de- uh, press secretary for Stephanie Miner's campaign for governor. She's the former Syracuse mayor, and she ran for governor in 2018. I handled her statewide press and really had to build an operation from the ground up. 
I uh, then worked for and still do handle clients for a New York City boutique firm. It's all virtual, all women. And the work there ebbs and flows and I can kind of uh, decide what I want to do. And I need other work because I just graduated from Syracuse University with my master's in public administration degree. Being a county legislator is a part-time position. We are a citizen legislature. We have other jobs. And I went on a sort of political LinkedIn site, posted my resume, and the rest is history. I got hooked up with the Yang campaign, and now I'm working for them, and I'm in New York City uh, one to three days a week. Can you explain uh, your role for his campaign? Yes, a press secretary can take many different forms depending on the size of the operation. I find myself doing a lot of writing. Uh, for example, I put out our daily press guidance. It is a document that's sort of like a mini newsletter, and it has things going on that day, things Andrew Yang said, cool articles that you might want to read about him, uh, policies that we want you to know about him, little facts we want you to know. So I have a lot of latitude in kind of making it what I want it to be. And so that's something that goes out every day. So I kind of before I go to bed and when I wake up in the morning, I'm working on that. The other thing I do is I write a lot of press releases and not not like, um, you know, come to this place at this time type of things. Those are advisories. I write a lot of issues based things. For example, New York City vo voted on ranked choice voting. So I formed a press plan about that because that was a key issue for the Andrew Yang campaign. How do we highlight his support for this issue with New York City voting on it? And we got some nibbles from the press. We um, so so that is a lot of what I do, sort of the more outward facing communications. We also have to roll out things like a press plan, a health plan, and we need to come up with what is that going to look like. And so I'm part of those discussions and and the tasks associated with what's going on there. That's awesome. Um, so a few students and I are working on a campaign to raise awareness about the First Amendment within our campus. And I was just wondering your thoughts on the issues of freedom of speech and freedom of the press and the changes since the 2016 election. Well, that is a really big question. I think we've always had this tension between the public and the press. We love it when reporters are reporting things we like, and we don't like them very much when they're reporting things we don't like. But I think that most people understand that a free press is vital to a functioning democracy. It is a check on government. It is a vital check on government. It is one of the main reasons the press exists, in my opinion. Since 2016, things have been a little scary because we have a president who has declared all-out war on the press and actually uh, relishes misinformation and propaganda. That's really scary because he had, there are people and members of the public who believe him. And think this is okay. And he has convinced them to also not trust the press. This is uh, terrifying, actually, because these are institutions that are really important. The press is not perfect. The press is often biased. But it's all we've got. And we can judge. I think we can trust citizens to judge the quality of what they're consuming. But when you have the president of the United States telling them that CNN is no good or the New York Times is no good or the Washington Post is no good that really undermines what they're trying to do. And what are they trying to do? They're trying to hold him accountable. And that's what he doesn't want. And that's why he's doing this. And I can tell you that both when I was a reporter, but even more so when I left news and no longer had the institution sort of backing me and was exposing things, um, very powerful people don't like that. And they will try very hard to make you not say those things. Um, so I wanted to shift a little bit about social media. Mm -hmm. How has social media impacted the way that the First Amendment works in our society? 
Well, I don't know that. I, honestly, I'm not one of those people who thinks that there's been this sea change. I, you know, yes, Twitter and Facebook have completely changed the way we communicate, but I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing or that there's been some sort of downside in how we communicate. Uh, you know, we used to talk on the phone a lot. Now we text. Now we Facebook message each other. We used to send letters. Now we can look at a Facebook post. We used to um, have to watch the six o'clock news. Now we can look at our news feed and see a news story. I think that social media has kind of made us all a lot more equal. We're all carriers of information. We can all judge information. And I think we're all, we all have a lot more access to information, which I think is um, very, very important. So I think that social media has really um, been a good thing for the First Amendment. It's allowed us all to exercise it more. Great. So the media has been covering a lot about um, Twitter and Facebook and their decisions on whether or not to censor political ads. As you know, Facebook does not want to censor them and Twitter does. What are your opinions? Mm -hmm. Kind of who do you side with more? You know, that's a tough one. I guess my concern with Twitter is who decides what's a political ad? Um, a lot of things are political that we don't necessarily think of political. But I think um, it's very clear that Facebook has a problem with bad actors. It has a problem with people who post false information and advertise it, fake accounts, fake Facebook page, fake advertisements with uh, fake news. And I think that's a really big problem. And Facebook does have a responsibility to get in there and police that content. Have you considered that an obstacle in working as a press secretary for the Andrew Yang campaign? It's something that we're always aware of. Certainly, we're always aware of any disinformation or things that we have to react to. Hasn't really been a huge problem on this campaign. I imagine as campaigns progress, as a nominee is selected, we are going to see a lot more discussion about possible interference in elections via Facebook misinformation. And I just wanted to wrap it up with a question about college students. Um, what do you think the public and college students need to understand most about the First Amendment? I think they have to understand most that a free and robust press is a really good thing and that we need to support good journalism. And that means picking sources that are good sources. That means uh, getting a subscription, reading the news. Uh, paying for nonprofit news, whatever it is that you, how you feel you can contribute to bolster the news. I think it's really important that you value this service because that's what it is. Great. Well, Rachel, we really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for coming on MattCast. All right. Thanks for having me. MattCast is a production of the Department of Media and Communication at St. John Fisher College. Listen on SoundCloud or subscribe on Apple Podcasts and like us on social media so others can find and enjoy these conversations. William Cleary is our audio producer. What's Happening was read by Johairi De La Cruz. Our original theme music was composed and performed by Dr. Joseph Lopercaro. Jordan Proietti designed our logo. Dr. Lauren Vicker is executive producer, and I'm Lizzie Beach. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.